Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and I'm here, as always, with Megan Francis. And today we are taking some listener questions. This is something we love to do every couple of months or so because we get um, so many emails and voice messages from you guys with your own parenting and mom-related questions. And it's fun for us to offer offer our advice. And also, I think it's great for listeners to hear what other parents are going through out there. So this will be fun. Um, Before we get going, if you're new around here, you can always um, check out our older episodes at themomhour.com, and you'll see that we've done several editions of these uh, listener Q&A episodes. So it's very fun. Um, Our first question is from Roslyn, and she called in via SpeakPipe. If you haven't heard us talk about that before, it's a fun little website or app where you can record your question in audio format. And um, we're going to play Roslyn's question in just a second, but um, I would encourage listeners to do that. If you have a question for us, it's fun for us to be able to play your voice. It's like you're calling in live. So um, here's Roslyn's question. Hi, Megan. Hi, Sarah. Um, My question is, have any of your kids quit an extracurricular activity that they begged you to join, Uh, not vice versa? Um, My five-year-old just decided that she didn't like taekwondo after just four classes. And, I mean, it was a pretty low-stakes decision. It didn't cost us a lot of money or involve letting down her team or anything like that. Um, But it did get me thinking ahead to those sorts of scenarios and also just um, thinking about my own personal history with quitting, which is mostly not quitting things just to avoid disappointing uh, someone else or to avoid trying something that might have been more difficult and involved disappointment ultimately. So obviously I don't want that for my kids, but I also don't want them to feel like it's always going to be okay to quit. Um, so, yeah, 
a lot of mixed feelings on this one. Any help you have for me? So this is a really good question. And actually, this is one that I feel like um, comes up a lot <laughs> when parents get to be or when kids get to be kind of activity aged. Mm -hmm. um, definitely has come up in our household. I think, you know, one thing to keep in mind is I think that younger kids and team sports, ideally, I think that should be kind of when you learn if you want to do something or not. And so a lot of times, how much is that team really depending on your seven-year-old um, mm -hmm. who's never played that sport before? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I think it depends a lot on the level of intensity around the activity and the level that the kid is at and kind of how it's all structured. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think, Sarah? So... Yeah, I have a few thoughts. I loved that Rosalind said they understood that the stakes were pretty low in this yes. case. It was, you know, her daughter's five. It was a low-key YMCA type situation, and she allowed her daughter to quit, which I fully support that. And I think that's one of the reasons you and I have advocated for low-cost, short-term, yeah. kind of low-commitment activities for young kids, because then then it, the, the issue of quitting, and I think with young children listening to them, if they're not ready for something or if it's causing anxiety or stress, it doesn't mean you can't encourage them to let's try one more time or let's talk about why you're not liking this. But if it's coming to pushing it every week, week after week, I think we can all agree that with young children, very often it's not worth it. Right. So then I think the second part of our question is what happens now when they're getting a little bit older and there is a team depending on them? Right. Um, and I guess my where I would start with that is the types of activities we're choosing with our kids and the expectations we're setting before they even begin. Because you guys know me. I'm a big, like, let's all get clear about our expectations right. before we go into this. And I think with kids at, like, seven or eight, you can be um, pretty straight up with them and say this is – so I'll just take – Allegra's doing softball right now. It's fall ball, which is only eight weeks here. And it's known for being a little more low-key, which is why we decided to try it. But – um, she's eight and a half. She is old enough to make an eight week commitment. Um, and I have set a little bit more strict expectations on her as far as being ready for practice. I told her, you know, I don't, I don't want to nag you about getting all of your gear together. I'm not going to carry your bag for you, you know, and we, <laughs> yeah. we kind of said all this at the beginning because it was something that she really wanted to try. So if the kid really wants to do it, I guess for me as a parent, that's an opportunity for me to say, great, I can support you. Here are your choices for, you know, what's in our cost range, what schedule works for our family. And then here's my expectations for how you're going to commit. Does that mean you're never allowed to quit? Absolutely not. If something was causing my kid true stress, we'd probably find a way out of that. So I'm not saying yeah. you can't let them quit, but I, I am saying that with a kid of seven or eight or older, I'm okay with setting expectations to put it on them at the front end to say, you know, I expect you to see this through. It's eight weeks. It's one practice and one game a week. They're long. It's going to be hot for some of it. And I expect you to act like you want to do this because you, you're telling me that you do. And right. she says, yeah, okay, I'm, I can do that. Um, so that's so much different than, you know, a little kid who's trying something out. And, you know, they're still going through so many maturity things, whether it's paying attention long enough or separation from mom or being, you know, so it's just so, I think it's so different depending on the age ranges. It, it is. And, you know, I will say like, I think it also depends a lot on your kid's pattern. Um, mm -hmm. Even if they haven't done uh, sports before or organized activities before, I mean, you know, 
I definitely have kids who are the ones who will stick to something and mm-hmm. meet all expectations. Mm-hmm. And the ones who, even if they are really gung-ho about something within a week, mm-hmm. um, are just kind of over it. And mm-hmm. so I'd be more inclined to be understanding if it was the kid who usually sticks things out. But this in this circumstance, you know, maybe the um, pressure is way too high. We've definitely gotten, because we also have um, recreational leagues around here that we've gotten involved in before that turned out to be under new management <laughs> and not as laid back as, you know, we thought we were, yeah, that we thought we were getting into where it's like everybody you know, by the time we're like a couple weeks in, everyone's burned out. And mm-hmm. I think if it's a case of that and like we can all kind of look at the situation and see it for what it is, um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't hesitate to mm-hmm. say that they can quit. But if it's mm-hmm. the kid who just, you know, you know, there's kids who just aren't happy with stuff. Like they're mm-hmm. not, they don't like the position they're playing. Mm-hmm. They don't like the number they got. Turns out their best friend isn't on their team. Like those kinds of things. And I or think they like those... to start things. Do you have any kids yeah, who they get like really start... excited about the beginning of things? <laughs> That's me. I'm that person. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I leotard. see a lot. A new leotard, a new <laughs> yeah, uniform. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah I can or imagine. they or they see their friends doing something and they think that means that they want to, but then when they get in, they, they realize they don't. And in that case, I think it's a real life lesson for them to to learn how to that sometimes you do have to ride those bumps out and there's a payoff at the end too. Like you don't get good at something. If you only do things for a week, you never get good. And there's nothing, things aren't fun if you never get, you know, any proficiency. So, um, yeah, I, I think if it's the kid that never finishes a book that they start, then I'm, I'm more inclined to use that as a, as a teaching tool Mm -hmm. and try to help them through it. And I will say, you know, even with the older kids, like I've got kids who will technically not quit, but just stop trying. Um, I've got one of those who's older right now and he... He wanted to play football this year and played, but within a few weeks was just kind of losing interest. And I could tell because he always had some ailment that he didn't want to go to practice. Something was always wrong. It was too hot. It was too this or that. And I think there was some boredom he had to push through because he wasn't getting played a whole lot because he didn't know the game as well as other kids because he hasn't played his whole life. And I had to explain to him, like, you know, you have to just show up and don't just do the bare minimum. Push a little harder. You, you're in a position where you have to try harder to get to where you're going to get played more and where you're, the coach is going to take you more seriously. Um, and at his age, it's William, so he's almost 13, that resonated with him. And by the end of the season, he was really enjoying himself. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes they can be coached through that a little bit. Um, well, and it might look a little old, different with an older kid. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. 
That's code MOMHOUR5050 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Yeah, and I was going to go there too as using, if the plan is stick with it, if you've decided as a parent and in this case scenario that sticking with it for a while is the better choice, then just like you said, I think it's often an opportunity to not just say, no, you can't quit, you're sticking with it and, and just stop the conversation, but to look at exactly just what you said, Megan, which is what is it about either their personality or the dynamic that's making it difficult? And then there's your, there's your life lesson opportunity more than just sticking with something blindly isn't necessarily, I don't think the life lesson, the life lesson is what do we do when things aren't ideal? Do we need to talk to the coach? Do we need to, do you know what I mean? So there's, then there's a million other sort of teachable moments within that. And I think I loved what um, I think Rosalind, she wrote this question to us and then also recorded it on SpeakPipe. So this may not have come through in the audio, but she said that she had a history herself of never quitting and sticking through things to please people Mm -hmm. when that was expected of her. And I thought that was really honest. And I think a lot of women can relate to that and not wanting to pass that on to her daughter that we just we, we show up because that's what's expected of us and we don't want to let anybody down. And she recognized that that's a, that's a little, that can be tricky. So I think yeah. the nuance there of sometimes it is best to stick with it for, you know, the season, but within that, how can we help our kids navigate tricky coaching relationships or, or just, you know, just sucking it up, sucking it yeah. up sometimes is part of life, but I think there's more to it than just say, suck it up. There's other ways. Also, yeah. Um, on a slightly different note, I wanted to bring up the um, idea of activities that we really want our kids to do that our kids, it's not their highest priority, which there are a couple for me. Swim lessons have been something that have been important for my kids when they're young because we've lived in Arizona and California. We're around a lot of water. It's a safety issue. I don't expect them to be competitive swimmers, but I also don't really want to teach them to swim myself. Right. So um, swim lessons have been something that it's just what we've done at start starting at about three, um, two, I think Violet started, no, she was three. Um, so they've all started about age three and I keep them in swim either year round or just in the summer months until they are water safe, which 
for Reed was, I think like he was over five, you know, so sometimes it's two or three summer seasons of swim lessons. And, um, that's a whole different thing because that is my priority, not theirs. Right. <laughs> I expect it's something that we're going to, it's something that we're going to do and it's not something I'm going to let them quit. So that, you know, I guess, I don't know what I have to say about that. It, it, except that it's a, it's a different conversation when it's something they've really wanted to do. Rosalind's daughter really, really wanted to do this activity and then decided to quit. That's a different conversation than something, you know, that's just yeah. an expectation of the family. In our family, we take swim lessons. Um, I'm looking into piano lessons for Reed and Allegra and it's going to be low key. It's not going to be super serious at first, but I'm thinking that will also be one that I ask them to stick with for, I don't know, a reasonable amount of time because music learning and basic music education is something I want to give us a fair shot at. So I'm not going to push them unreasonably hard. I'm probably not going to be even a practicing Nazi, but I am going to probably have that be something that it's for better, or for worse, it's kind of my priority. So I'm going to right. ask yeah. them to stick with it for a certain amount of time. So I think maybe just getting clear in your own head and, and then as kids get older, getting clear with them. So like Allegra softball was for sure her priority. I don't need, I don't need more bats and balls in my life right now, but I want to support her. She really wanted to do it. So therefore there were, there were some expectations I had of her, but if it's my priority, I'm going to be the one working a little harder to make it happen, including helping them get there, helping them get ready. You know, it's, it's my priority. So I guess maybe it's just about kind of differentiating between the two in your mind. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I guess I have two things like, you know, the first place I went to, because I could tell from listening to Rosalind and what she did say about being that person who never quits is that I think it's important to ask yourself when you're in this position, who am I letting down? You know, is this imaginary? Like this whole idea of letting people down, is there actually a person out there who I, or a team that I'm letting down? Cause that to me changes a little bit, you know, it, it becomes, more than about the life lesson the kid is learning. And maybe in this case, it doesn't need to be taught or maybe it does. And that's up for you to decide. But I think when we, anytime we start talk, thinking about other people, I think mm. sometimes that's when we like outside of our family unit, that's when we start sometimes making decisions for, I'm not going to say the wrong reasons. I'm just going to say sometimes, um, sometimes almost like a story that we're telling ourselves that's not true, you know? Yeah. So like, you know, my kids did basketball, um, and they very relaxed league here where I don't even think the kids play in the same team every week. It's like rotating teams. Right. They're all over the place. Yeah. Um, and at one point, and I can't even, it was one year, the weather was terrible. And at some point, and I think John was like traveling a lot and I was having to go out in the bad weather and take, you know, a toddler out with me. And at right. one point I was like, you know what? I just, I'm not doing this anymore. And We're I done. thought, who am I letting down? I mean, I'm letting down a bunch of random six-year-olds who don't care. <laughs> You know, and it was kind of like, okay, that made it a lot easier for me. Um, yeah. Whereas it would have been different if I'd thought, nope, these kids really need to stick with this because we paid a bunch of money for it, you know, like you said, or or they're, they're going to build on this and they're going to really be regret not having stuck with it next year. Basketball is not really our thing as a family. It's not right. something that we prioritize. Um, so it was pretty easy to make that decision. I will also say about piano because I was the kid who took piano on and off for maybe five or six years as a mm -hmm. kid. And I, I liked what you said about not being super crazy about making them practice because right. I'm here to tell you that just showing up for a lesson once a week, you can get, you can learn mm -hmm. a lot. Um, I and I think there's so much emphasis on practice, which is great because mm -hmm. practice, you know, makes perfect. <laughs> Obviously, I would be a much better piano player today had I practiced a ton. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that 
you know, there was like, well, if you're not going to sit down, it's so it's like this all or nothing thinking. Like, yes. if you're not going to sit down and practice 20 to 30 minutes every single day, what's the point? Your parents are wasting their money. And right. I actually think I got a really good musical background mm-hmm. from practicing a couple of times a week and just mm-hmm. showing up at my lesson. Yeah. The other thing I will say is when it comes to music, I think the instructor um, is makes a huge difference, mm-hmm. at, like at anything. But also, I think that your kid might not know how to articulate like, I think this music stinks. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. like what I'm learning. I, mm-hmm. I would like something else better. Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing to keep in mind. Like, yes. I switched to a different teacher who had right. me do more current music, and it uh-huh. made a huge difference. Like, I then I wanted to practice because I yeah. wanted to learn the song. Um, and I think that's something we don't always think of. And the kids don't know how to articulate that. Yep. So to- that's something I to totally keep in mind. agree. Yeah. Um, well, I, have one, I, I just have one more thing to add, and then we should probably move on to our next question. But um, going back, this kind of brings it full circle back to little kids and low, low stakes activities. Um, Violet has already started and quit gymnastics and started and <laughs> talking about quitting dance. And she's a, we won't go into the reasons. We know she's kind of a sensitive, spirited one. But um, one thing that I talk through with her, and maybe this is sort of an underhanded, like secret ninja parenting trick, but I do try to make quitting slightly inconvenient and more difficult than the kid thinks it is. In other words, help them talk through, if we stop, we're not going to start another activity right away. Right. That's one thing she's playing with me right away. Like, I don't want to do dance. I want to do gymnastics again. Right. I want to yeah. do this little music class we used to do. And I said, you know, I think if we, if we stop dance, it probably means that you're just not quite ready for an activity right now. And that's okay. Cause you're not even four. So we'll just hang out with mommy. And I just say it really friendly, like, not like if you quit, you can't do anything else, but really that's what I'm saying. So making it, you know, it's a little bit of testing how serious they are, especially with a kid like Violet, who's wise and manipulative and, you know, and I think, um, helping them think through the consequences of staying and the consequences of, or not consequences, but the, you know, the ramifications, even for really little kids, you know, it's sort of like making a pros and cons list, which is a great exercise for older kids of thinking, okay, I really like it for this reason, but I, you know, these are the things that bother me about it. And I think helping our kids develop those sort of analytical, critical thinking skills, even at a young age. And I think you can kind of do that even with little kids. So let's talk this through. If we stop dance, we're not going to do the recital, so we won't do right. the tutu. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, all the things they thought they were in it for anyway. Yeah, you know? and then yeah. they're like, oh okay, well, maybe I want to go back in there. And yeah. I don't, I honestly don't know if Violet's going to stick with dance and I totally don't care. We're like month to month. I can quit anytime, but it's never too early to start helping them at least let them think they're part of that, um, decision process instead of saying, absolutely not. You're sticking with it. I paid good money, which they're not going to understand at all right. at age four or five or, okay, you can quit. No big deal. I think there's maybe there's some, there's some pr- productive conversations in there, even for little kids, I guess is my yeah. point. And she may circle back to it in a different way later. And that's yeah. cool too. So totally. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read and summarize this next question, which came to us from Tessa by email. But then I'm gonna have you start, Megan, because it's much closer to your situation. And okay. I have to say, Tessa just emailed us this question and she just found our show and binge listened all the way back to when we used to do appearances on the home hour together. Yeah, oh my gosh. So sometimes when you guys send us questions, it takes us like a year to get to them. And other times it hits at the right time. And we're like, sure, we'll answer that tomorrow. Perfect. So thank you, Tessa. And welcome to our listener community. And we loved your email. So I'm going to summarize a little bit as I read through this. But Tessa's sister and she are very close. Tessa has four kids, nine, seven, four, and a baby. And her sister has two kids, ages eight and two. 
And when they get all together, the three oldest cousins, so her two oldest girls and then the eight-year-old cousin, um, have basically the three's a crowd dynamic, which is the younger, the youngest gets left out, the oldest. So Tessa's girls are the oldest and the youngest of the trifecta. And the oldest gets type A and wants to play with the cousin. The youngest gets left out. And, you know, she's asking for your advice, Megan, because we've actually, you've touched on this. I think it was in our episode about siblings, which we can link to. But I, let's go deeper with this. Yeah. Um, her question is, they're not going to stop seeing her sister, but it has made getting together with cousins, you know, pretty stressful. And she it was very sensitive in her email to not wanting to force the oldest to include but trying to take her aside ahead of time. I mean, I really relate to this. I think this is how I approach it too. Taking them aside, kind of gently encouraging and reminding. But she said when she forces the older to include, it usually backfires. Oh, and, yeah, because then they just know, get mean. Right. <laughs> and and the younger is the younger yeah. is very sensitive. And she's very she's she's hurting for her seven-year-old who she right. sees being excluded and who is extra sensitive anyway. So gosh, this is not an easy one. And I know you have no. some direct yeah, this is essentially exactly life. my is life, yeah. <laughs> except in reverse. So I'm the one with the middle, the girl oh, in the middle, okay. um, Clara, and then uh, my sister, my brother, and his wife have two daughters who fall on either side. So Luna's younger than Clara, and Ruby is older. They're even almost the same ages as these, yeah. these three girls, which is so interesting. Yeah, they're nine, uh, going on eight, and then going on six. So, yeah, so and there's enough of an age difference that even Luna's a little like, she's kind of the caboose. She's really mm-hmm. kind of bringing up the rear. Um, so it's tough. You know, I feel bad because when I, the three girls get together, I can often see Clara being mean and excluding her younger cousin, who by the way, adores her, like mm-hmm. worships the ground she walks on, which makes me feel even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, we've kind of worked on a, a few different ways. First of all, everyone's very aware of the situation. I'm not sure yeah. if that's how it is. Um, it sounds like she and her sister are pretty close, so okay. hopefully they're able to talk about it. Yeah, um, and, and I don't know if they're on the same page or not about how to right. take, you know, some people are more hands-off and some people are, are not, but I have I definitely have found that, like you said, you know, taking them aside and talking to them, but I sometimes have to do that several times during yeah. a visit. Mm-hmm. Um, just if it's once, it, it doesn't stick. Um, I'll... I'll, I'll notice things happening and I'll call Clara over really quietly and just say, you know, I've noticed that um, Luna seems really upset right now. And then she'll kind of be like, oh, mom, and give me that kind of thing. And I'll say, well, let's think of a way we can include her. And sometimes it's, you got to do, because she'll automatically default to, you know, she's being really annoying. And she'll say really funny things. She's like, I love how Luna loves me so much. But sometimes she loves me a little too much, if you know what I mean. So she's got these really funny ways of saying, like, yeah. she's annoyed. Yeah. Um, and I'll just say, okay, well, let's think of a, a way that could work for everybody to include Luna. And when Luna was really little, it could be the kind of, like, just pacifying her stuff, like, just mm-hmm. humoring her. And she's gotten wise to that. Like, she's yeah. not going to be the kid playing with the junk toys no one wants right? while the other kids are playing a game. She's gotten right. too wise. And that yep. was a big kind of a um, an adjustment, too, when she made that leap. Um, I will say from watching the boys having gone through stuff like this. So, you know, in the boys, I've got um, Jack. So same family. Mm -hmm. They have one boy. It's Jack. And he's in the middle. And then William and Owen are on either side of Jack. Um, Definitely have seen them move in and out of age groups where it it was less pronounced. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's going to happen with the the girls or not. So, like, I remember the boys playing really, really, really well together. And then they kind of went through a little phase where they didn't. But I will say with the boys, when they didn't play as well together, they just kind of stopped all playing together. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like with the girls now where 
Clara and Ruby aren't really willing to give up what they've got. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's even all that helpful, but just I think sometimes you need to be proactive throughout the visit or just yeah. kind of be aware. And the other thing I will say is we try to create plenty of time for Clara to play individually with Ruby and to play individually with Luna because the more mm -hmm. she plays one-on-one, -on -one, yep. the more, you know, when Ruby's out of the equation, Clara and Luna get along great yep. and they find things to play. Um, so we try to make – and sometimes I'll even say to Clara, like, before we go – over to their house, you know, she'll say, well, are both girls going to be there? And I say, yeah. So I want you to play really well with both of the girls now. Mm -hmm. And then I've got something special planned for you and Ruby later. Mm -hmm. And so we just try to always kind of have that be like a carrot, I guess, or just yep. something she knows yeah. is going to happen so that she yep. doesn't have to stress about it. I, I love that because what, what, in the long term, what we really want for all of our kids is to know how to navigate these situations. So it's never that you always have to include, or you always get to exclude. It's that depending on the situation, there's an appropriate response. So right. it, it, it's not, a, it's, there's nothing black and white about this. Um, just a couple of things to add. I think, um, I think asking to, with your own kids ahead of time, kind of asking them how they'd like to see it handled or what their plan is, put some of, some of the control back on them, especially olders. Um, who like control. And I know Tessa's oldest, she said, likes to control the situation. So to use that to your advantage, I might say to Allegra, okay, we know that Violet's going to want in on this play date. We know she's not old enough and you don't probably want to include her. What's your plan for when she comes knocking at the door? How can right. I help you? I, and I always say, I will support you in your decision, but you need to be kind. So then, then I'm kind of, and, and she might say, well, I, you know, she can play with the baby dolls in my room, but I don't want her getting into the art supplies. And I can say, okay, I'll support that. And I, as soon as she, as soon as she crosses that line, I'll support you. And that way I'm not putting my eight-year-old in a position where she kind of panics and then yells. Um, and you know, and then we're, then we're starting way behind. So I guess asking the child, and you, I think you can do that with a younger too, you know, what's your plan for when you feel left out? Do you want to come get mommy and I'll help you? Or should we have an activity plan so this doesn't happen? Or, you know, what's your plan? We say that a lot. What's your plan for, or what are we going to do when this happens? Especially in these scenarios, we're talking about things that happen over and over and over again. So everybody, yeah. everybody knows the dynamic. Um, so I, I guess I don't have much to add because you, you know, you, you touched on it all, but that, um, I think it's really good for our kids to have these relationships and experiences. And it sounds like Tessa's committed to being, you know, they're committed to being a big group of cousins and everybody's committed to making it work. So hopefully just the transparency and the willingness of her and her sister to help the kids make it work. I think nobody should assume this stuff will be easy. It's just not right. whether it's siblings it's or cousins or yeah. friend groups. And, you know, sometimes we hear we're supposed to let the kids work it out, but it's never quite that simple. I think, I mean, you and I have talked about this on the podcast before, Megan, that, you know, we want, we want our kids to learn to work things out, but you can hear as a mom, you can hear when it's in the other room, it gets to a point where they're not learning anything. If anything, right. they're reinforcing some, you know, some potentially damaging relationship patterns. And then if you, yeah. and then if you times that by years and years, we haven't served our kids by quote unquote, letting them work it out. You can still let them work it out with some loving guys. Well, yeah, there can definitely become a Lord of the flies type scenario. <laughs> also, you know, it's one thing if it's like, um, something that's like a once in a, a while thing, you know, you've got like three groups of, you know, three girls, you get together on a play date at your house and then you realize, oop, this wasn't really a great fit. 
but I'm going to kind of let them work it out until things get bloody. Right. <laughs> and then I won't be getting these three girls together again. Right. Yeah. Because like I've done that. Work. You know, yeah. this didn't work. Um, these are, this is family. They're going to yeah. be together their whole lives. So what's mm-hmm. being shaped right now uh, could continue, yeah. you know? So I, it's more, first of all, you want to be able to enjoy your sister's company and mm-hmm. also you want the girls to be able to grow up together and have a great relationship later. So I do think you're right, Sarah. There's more coaching needed than we sometimes think, especially, and I think it's even tougher sometimes when it's like family that doesn't live in your own house because it's not your rules and you're not there all the time to shape things. And, you know, they maybe the, the, the um, scenarios when they get together, they seem kind of fraught because the kids are just like, you know, it's like the special thing. It's not right. like siblings who are just always around each other and they, right. you know, you have plenty of opportunities and lots of different times during the day. So yeah, I agree. That's, yeah. that's my long winded way of saying yes. Hang in there, Tessa. Yeah. Hang in there. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know, what's good to go. My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Um, okay, well, I think we have time for one more quick question on a totally, sure. totally different note. And this one, I am sad to say we don't know who it came from because it was part of our listener survey. So oh, okay. in our... In our listener survey, in where we, when we asked for you know suggestions and improvements, and we got so many great things. Some some of those people also gave us topic suggestions, and it was anonymous. 
Um, but this is kind of a quick and easy, simple question about weaning a breastfeeding toddler. So I think the exact comment was, <laughs> please warn your listeners that it's really hard to wean after age two. I'm having a really hard time. She just won't stop. Um, and you breastfed into toddlerhood. I, the longest I breastfed was almost 18 months. So it's a little different, but I did breastfeed one-year-olds. Yeah. Um, so do you have any, you know, five breastfed well <laughs> yeah and I did go past the two-year mark and I, I agree that there are some challenges there um but for me there the first the whole second year was I could never like I think with my because Jacob didn't breastfeed very long he was pretty easy to wean because he'd always taken bottles as well and that makes it pretty easy um the other none of the other ones took bottles or pacifiers at all as much mm-hmm. as I wanted them to so <laughs> at some point I was like would you please just would you just take a bottle? Would yes. you just take a pacifier? And they wouldn't suck do on it. something. So, else. Suck on something. Um, I think with Isaac, because I had such a rough time weaning him with uh, Will, I was just watching him for like that perfect moment. Like, when is that perfect moment going to happen when weaning is going to be like done for me kind of, you know, or I can start ease, like cutting back, like they say you're supposed to be able to do that. Never, that moment never presented itself with Will. He weaned pretty easily because I got pregnant and I think it just wasn't I was done mm-hmm. and I think he wasn't really getting milk anymore and he was done. And, um, Owen, again, I waited kind of waiting for that, that perfect window didn't come. So, uh, I ended up being the mom who goes away to wean. And I remember actually being feeling super conflicted about that because there was so much guilt in some of the internet, uh, boards mm-hmm. I frequented around that idea. And, you know, this idea that you're just going to abandon your baby and you can take off and they're going to be so confused because you're not there. And, and it was nothing like that. Um, in all cases, except for William who weaned easily just because he just, and I actually remember being on vacation when I weaned William and it was, um, kind of the last draw was we were in this hotel and I was like squeezed into this, like it, it was supposed to be a double room, but the beds were tiny. They're basically like full size mm-hmm. beds. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there in this bed and I was, it was like nighttime and I'm trying to nurse him. And there's no space. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> and he was like, okay, but that was his personality. Right. Owen's much more stubborn. Um, <laughs> we had several times where I left him with dad for a couple of days, came home and started nursing again because I would get home and be like, you know what? All I needed was a break. Like I didn't yeah. need to wean. I yeah. thought, I thought I wanted to wean and it turns out that was enough. Like all I needed was a couple of days off. Um, But what also helped with that is that he got used to then being with John and not with me. And so when I finally decided like the one trip where I decided this was the one and I wasn't, you know, we weren't going to go back to it and Mm -hmm. I was really resolved. It was quite easy actually. I got back and he kind of pawed at my chest for a few minutes, like in confusion. Like he knew there was something (laughs) that was supposed to be happening, but like something's familiar. Exactly. But he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't quite figure it out. He was like, I don't know. Um, and then, you know, that one, he just kind of gave up and that was it. And it it was never a problem again. Clara was much the same. I started traveling with her a lot younger. Um, because then by that point I knew I was, could relax about it because I knew that, that leaving for a few days didn't mean weaning. Like it didn't have to mean she was going to stop. Can I interrupt to ask like a functional question? Because I never breastfed quite that long. I would assume supply would drop off pretty quickly if you left for a few days, but yours didn't. I mean, it did, but by, that, but by that age, they don't need the milk so much, right. you know? Right. So like, yeah, I always had abundant, abundant supply. I would say by the time I got home, um, and it was kind of funny because with, definitely with Owen, I would pump every time I would leave at first and then kind of taper off pumping. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I can't really remember with Clara. I'm assuming it's the same. Probably the first time I left her at like 12 or 13 months, I'm sure I pumped because it was she was still nursing a lot at that time, and so it was uncomfortable. But by the time I finally came, I think she was like just about two. Um, by the time I finally like went on that trip, she obviously – I wasn't making that much milk anyway. It was right. more of a comfort thing. So the times that I went away and my supply dropped and I came back and we decided to go back to it, it was kind of like we would just – take to the sofa for a day kind of thing. And it was a lot of laying around reconnecting, but I, I think it was fine. It was like not a big deal. Um, it probably moved us one step closer to winning for real though. Right. Which was well, where I like wanted to be. Said, That's just, where I was just going. planting the seed for both of you that it's possible. And right. the dad is a comfortable... Yeah. And I think that's kind of, I think that's why it never felt like abandoning my baby. I was leaving him or her with their father and they were getting everything they needed from him just Mm -hmm. in a different way. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like I was this, there was this huge hole out of their lives for two Mm -hmm. days that they were never going to get over. And then, you know, so for me, I know there's like a lot of controversy around that. I know other people that do the tapering off that never worked for me because I feel like by the time they're two, if you're in the, by the time for me, by the time they were a year and a half, if you're standing in the room, Mm-hmm. And they know what is available, <laughs> you know. Um, it just that never worked because it would yeah. be like I had to. I was working from home, so every time I'm sitting down, there's a kid like climbing in my lap, mm-hmm. trying to nurse. And sometimes the more I would try to taper off, like the more frantic they would get about not mm-hmm. tapering off. So I don't know. I'd actually like to hear from other people who made that work. It just that was not a solution for me. Yeah. So. Uh, well, I don't have a lot of practical tips here because I do think it's pretty different weaning. Uh, one of my kids nursed just over 12 months, one 14 and one about 17 months, I think. So it's none of it quite gets into this toddlerhood that we're talking about. But a couple general thoughts. Number one, it's always a good reminder that our kids' experience is not our experience. So when you're talking right. about like all of the potential guilt or the thinking they're going to think I abandoned them or all, you know, all of that is from our perspective. And it's so easy to assume that that's what your child is experiencing, even a little tiny child. And it's just not always the case. Right. Um, and the other thing is we've just had some big transitions lately. Reed, Reed had to stop sucking his thumb at night, which was completely involuntary. He didn't, he never walked around sucking his thumb during the day, but it was, you know, an automatic thing at night and he's six and for dental reasons, it was time. And, um, I just felt like I felt so sorry for him. Like it was like, I didn't want him to feel punished or something. First of all, it's an automatic response. He wasn't aware he was doing it. And second of all, it's been his comfort for his whole life, you know, and it went so, and even with his very sort of rigid personality, it went so much better than I had made it up to be. And I think it's the same thing. Like, of course, we want to tune into our kids' sensitivities, but sometimes we're guilty of applying our own, <laughs> our yeah. own. Uh, yes, to that. Often we are. Yes. Yeah, and listening so, to what people say, unsubstantiated things other people say, and then allowing them to take too much root as well. Right. You know, so yeah. Yeah, I'm going to also link um, our friend Donia from Nurtured Mama, who's been a writer friend of yours and mine for several years, um, just had a piece published that I happened to read recently about weaning a three-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. Right at just turned three. So if you, there are any extended breastfeeding moms out there, it was a beautifully written piece. And the in a nutshell, she talked about expecting to do child-led weaning like when her daughter was ready and then it being abundantly clear that that was <laughs> that was not going to work yeah. um so and it was very it's very poignant and very well written and so if there's others out there who are breastfeeding toddlers or you know even past age two I'll link to that in our show notes I thought it was really sweet and well done so good 
Yeah, well, this has been fun. Um, just to remind everybody how to send us questions to answer, there's a few ways. You can email us. The address is hello at themomhour.com. That just comes right to Megan and me. And we read it. We always try and write back to say thanks for your question. We got it. And then, like I said, sometimes it gets included on a show right away. Sometimes it just sort of uh, influences our planning for future shows if we never answer it directly. Um, and then the SpeakPipe way, as you heard Rosalind call in her question, is speakpipe.com slash themomhour. Or there's a link to that on our website as well. And that's really fun for us to hear your voices. We love it. And let us know what you think, if you would answer, have answered any of these questions differently, because we are just two moms. So you can leave us a comment um, on the show notes when you find this episode at themomhour.com. It'll be episode 73. Um, I think that's it. This was fun. That's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see everyone next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.